conclude E3 week. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Third Love and Indeed Prime. They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who has survived another head-on collision with the E3 hype train. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Man, it uh, it started late, but it really got revved up, and uh, it, it blew me away. It was a heck of an E3. Yeah, we're going to talk all about it. This is the third of our E3 coverage episodes. Hopefully you heard the previous two where we talked about the press conferences. And uh, we had our friend join us for our E3 prediction episode the week before that. So we've done a lot of E3 coverage. And guess what? He's back. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. This week, DLC stands for Dad's Loving the convention, because it's not only Father's Day with three dads, but we have one of our favorite people back with us. He talked about predictions for the show, and now we're going to reconcile all that and talk about our thoughts of the show. It's Anthony Towermina of GameRant.com. Welcome back, Anthony. I'm back. I'm here. I'm ready to do it. You survived. You survived another E3. I survived uh, another. Oh, man. This was... I don't want to get into specifics, but this was uh, a trying time. I told Christian a little bit. It was a trying time as far as uh, lodging initially, but it worked out in oh, the no. end. But uh, as far as like, you know, E3, it was good. But it was the first wow. E3 where I was like, man, I might not want to do this anymore. This is so rough. <laughs> oh, but, no. but E3, E3 was good. Well, I wouldn't offer you to stay at my place, but it's nowhere near the convention center. So it's actually a detriment to stay with me. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't want to get into specifics because I don't want to throw a pity party because I do get to go to E3 and that's awesome. So, but yes, it yeah. was, it was a bit rough going at the beginning, but it all worked out. And let's I, just say for our listeners that if you've seen John Wick one, you know what Anthony's first night of E3 was like. Yeah. He stayed at the Continental? <laughs> no. He had to do a little revenge. There's a whole pet uh, thing. If and, you've uh, seen the-, the Money Pit, you... <laughs> <laughs> I'm living the Money Pit. Uh, well, this episode, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be very different than our normal episodes. This is the final episode of our E3 coverage for 2019. It's going to be all E3 all the time. We're going to talk about the games we got hands-on with, our reactions from the show, uh, how the the days of the actual convention itself were, because all we've talked about so far are the pre-convention press conferences. So we're going to dig in, and we're going to dig deep. Uh, And you know what that means. It means we've got to start things off hopping one last time on that old hype train. Yeah, it's pulling into the station for one more episode before it uh, heads off into the sunset for another year. Uh, let's 
start with sort of a a overview and macro look at this year's E3 before we dig in. Well, can I back us up even further and start with Nintendo? No, I want to do that, but let's talk about well, okay. Can I back right. us up even further and talk about the history of video games in the beginning? <laughs> we'll get to Nintendo, uh, but we're not going to talk about Nintendo in the context of their their just their press conference because we've I, we played the games. So let's let's talk about that. We'll talk about them first, but let's talk macro about macro. the whole con you know, the whole uh, convention as a whole. And Anthony, what did you what did you feel about E three twenty nineteen? It was a very different year on the whole as a convention, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I think it was the kind of uh, evolution of last year, which was kind of a, oh, wow, the convention floor. There are There's some em- empty space here. You know, there's some, some pockets where there's literally nothing or there's chairs or there's, you know, bean bags. Uh, and then this year it was it was even more bizarre. There was just wide open space there were wide sections that were there were even more couches which i think i talked about on the podcast one of my favorite things about the show floor is a chance to go sit down in a nice comfy chair there were more of those so i was very excited but yeah it was like basically um for those of you who don't go to e3 or aren't familiar there's two main halls and one hall typically has you know like the big competitors like sony and microsoft nintendo but now sony not there microsoft moved across the street so it was basically like one hall was nintendo and almost nothing else that anybody really cared about maybe oculus and then the other hall was like maybe three or four third-party publishers but there were so many areas where it was just like hey g fuel or yeah we're making we're making some you know hdmi cable that'll soup up your 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 content it's like wow okay it's it's a strange thing for people that haven't been going to e3 for many years like all of us it's hard to express how different it is because there were many years where you just you couldn't walk down the main thoroughfare or, or the aisles of the convention center floor because it was packed with people and it was cacophonous and loud and stuff was going on all over the place and everything was tightly packed and you could easily get yourself lost because everything was stacked high on top of each other and people were packed and it was just it was just a madhouse and trying to get from one hall to another was a pain because you had to rush through throngs of people and it just was it felt like insanity and this year it felt like a a easy breezy walk yeah. through uh, through a uh, wide open space and and it's jarring. I mean, I feel like they probably if they had wanted to, they could have crammed everything at E3 into one of the halls instead yeah. of two. But as it was, the two halls, there were I would say 30 to 40 feet of perimeter around any of the booths. Uh, you know, just on, the entire convention floor had a big perimeter around the side that it was just nothing there and it it never felt packed like it used to and it uh it was a strange experience feeling that open and yeah ea is down in hollywood and microsoft's at the nokia theater and it's there's stuff is still there but just not there but it definitely felt weird to me oh yeah christian did you have that sense too uh, I mean, West Hall felt different because um, it used to be Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, and this year it was just Nintendo, so it, it felt different. But I think had Microsoft 
um, been in there versus in the Microsoft Theater, which was the same badge entrance, um, just a different location. I think it would have felt largely the same. I think it was an incredible E3. I mean, I saw tons of stuff and there was tons more that I didn't have time to see. So I, I don't feel like it was wanting for content or things to see. I think the show floor itself, um, I think it was better organized. There weren't like shoot a basketball to get a t-shirt type things. It seemed like the, a lot of the booths were using their space well. I don't know how it was for, I'm curious if any of our listeners went um, with a gamer pass, how, how they thought the experience went. But for me trying to cover the show, I thought it was excellent. I was able to get everywhere I needed to go. Um, like I said, there was tons of stuff I saw and tons of stuff I still don't have time to see. And getting into my meetings and appointments um, was all really easy to do. So I think it was, I think it was a great year. Yeah, I agree with you that everything was remarkably easy to do. Uh, you could walk up to almost anything. I mean, I walked up to things I didn't have appointments for and I was like, Hey, can I see this? And they're like, Oh yeah, sure. It was crazy. Attendance has to have been way down because, uh, I, I was shocked at how easy it was. It sure made my life easier and I was happy about that. Uh, but I also feel like I spent less time at this E3 than I have ever, um, just because of my life commitments. And I still didn't feel like I missed a ton. I missed, there's some, a lot of stuff that I wish I'd seen that I, I didn't, but it, it just, it, it really does feel like a different show completely now. And, uh, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what next year is. If, if we've got all of these new consoles coming, is it going to be a big rebound year? for feeling the frenzy and and the hype but even you know looking around the web at best of lists and stuff it's like the same six games on every site yeah and it just feels like there isn't the deep bench of stuff at e3 like there used to be and i and i mean a lot of that is sony not being there i'm sure but you know sony brought a lot of games that would go into the consideration for best ofs yeah. and we'll talk about our best ofs as we go through this episode but I, I just really felt this transition year and, and maybe it'll return to its former glory, but I, I don't know. It was, it was an odd feeling for me. It was super weird. The The only thing that, uh, that I could kind of put my, my finger on is one, there were a few ga- games I saw that it seemed like they were, they were just kind of showing something so that their booth had something to show. Um, or there, there's a massive Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah, booth. yeah, that Warner Brothers yeah. is one I'm thinking about. Like they didn't really you have would a, never see a that. ton. You would never see that at past yeah, three. It's like a game that's been out. You they know? would have had a ton more to show. Or, or like, um, you know, Square Enix was uh, Square Enix West would, had you know Avengers to show, but I don't necessarily know if they had something else going on. If they would have shown that. Uh, and we could talk about that, but yeah, it's just like there, there were a few instances where it kind of seemed like there, you know, the people that did have booths were like, here's what we're going to show. For example, Activision, uh, had a, you know, a private meeting, reading meeting room above the, the halls. And based on what they showed, it was very obvious why they didn't have a booth because they didn't have the multiplayer experience that typically is like the big showpiece for E3 is everybody lines up to play the multiplayer and they no longer have destiny. So they didn't have like a second game to kind of bolster them. They had basically crash crash racing outside in the, in the lobby that was like their presence. Yeah. So yeah, it, it seems like just so many companies didn't have the games to show partially because they're probably, they don't want to 
say here is a game and then have somebody say excuse me this kind of looks like it's not for this console generation and then microsoft and sony are sending angry emails at them <laughs> yeah it's an it's a strange thing is it is it the calm before the storm or is it this downward trend of uh of e3 having less prominence as the major show of the gaming calendar i I don't know. I think next year is really where the proof is going to be as far as which direction that is. Um, I've, I, I agree with you, Christian, that it was still a, you know, a vibrant, fun show full of lots of stuff to talk about. And we'll get into that, but I can't deny the fact that this felt different than any other E3. And I've been through, you know, some major swings of, you know, it being a Uber private event that didn't really have a show floor to being this crazy open to everybody insanity thing to like fire breathers and half pipes, you know, it's and everything in between this one, just, it just felt like a shell of its former self, not because of any intention to do that, just because of the shifting nature of the industry. But, um, you know, we don't need to belabor that point. I just thought it was an interesting interesting view of the show if, if you have never been before it is it is um it was a year of flux i think yeah. and maybe that's just because the the consoles are all around the corner i, I don't know i will but. say this though this was a the year that versus a lot of past years where it felt like the e3 show was more important um than it has been in the past because there were like three or four instances where you know um you saw something at the press conferences that actually would have been um, more uh, of like little teasers, but then we actually got to see the game behind closed doors or sometimes play the game. So it actually was like, wow, this was a time where they weren't messing around. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. And and we'll talk about that more, but it, it is interesting to me, the difference between what was public facing and what was private facing this year, because it really, I'm questioning some of those decisions and and we'll talk about that, but let's, as Christian mentioned, let's start with Nintendo because as far as DLC's coverage of E3, Nintendo sort of gets short shrift in the sense that we don't put out a a Tuesday special episode. We do the, the Sunday and the Monday special episodes for E3. And so the fact that Nintendo puts their big direct, their form of the press conference, on Tuesday morning means that we don't get to talk about it until now. So let's talk about Nintendo, which I think had an extremely strong showing at this E3. Uh, they came with some really strong games. I they Almost all of them were playable, and almost all of them are nearer than a lot of the games that we were hearing about at E3. Uh, they're this year type games, although Animal Crossing did get delayed. But, uh, I mean, several of the games... A couple of the games that are in my consideration for game of the show are Nintendo games. I think uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 and Link's Awakening for me both are major contenders for game of E3. Uh, I was absolutely gobsmacked by seeing Link's Awakening, Link's Awakening in person the, and playing it. The, the visuals of that game are like a dream. It's, it's like watching claymation. It's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, but they, you know, they had lots of stuff to talk about. They didn't really talk about new hardware iterations. We kind of thought maybe we'd see some talk of new SKUs of the Switch, but we did not get that. But Anthony, what did you think of Nintendo's presentation and what they were showing at their booth? Uh, presentation wise, all I can think about is Breath of the Wild 2. Um, 
Yeah, but is that not the most ridiculous sentence at the well? We, we are working on a new Zelda uh, game. It's like, yeah, duh. But, the sky okay, is blue, but and just, the, the sun rises. Well, one, it also included some footage, and two, we have existed in an in a era of Nintendo where we only really get one Zelda per console. And they were basically. Do you think this? Do you think this game is less than five years away? <laughs> I think this game is less than five years away because I think they're using a lot of the same technology. Um, yeah, it'll it'll. Do you think it'll feel more like an expansion? That it'll be the basic. It'll be more like. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, it seemed like it was uh, going Majora's Mario Mask. Galaxy Two. It seemed like it was going Majora's Mask, like a darker, kind of like horror esque, but horror in the Nintendo sense um, version of Zelda. I I mean. Do you think it's less than three years away? I think yes. Wow. Um, Interesting. I do. Zelda games take a long time uh, to sure, make. Sure, but I mean, it's just like that That in and of itself, me and Christian were actually talking about this during the Microsoft pref- press conference that so many companies these days, they know what the fans want and they refuse to deliver or they kind of like play coy. It's kind of like the Half-Life 3 situation with Valve where it's like they very obviously know they could just make Half-Life 3 and please so many people, but they refuse to. And same thing yeah. with Microsoft and Sony with some properties that that have come back. But Nintendo recently with the Switch has said, we, we see you like Zelda. We're actually going to make a Zelda quicker. We see you like Mario. We're going to make a Mario quicker. And this kind of reinforced that because they straight up said, we're making another Zelda. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. that's super exciting to me because that means at the very least, um, I'm not going to be existing in this, in this place of when am I going to play another Zelda? I at least know they're working on another one and we'll probably see more of it next year. If it comes out before 2021, I will be shocked. But sure, I I'm, I think I think it's a it's a holiday 2021, maybe. Christian, were you uh, were you given the, the the tingles by that sentence at the end of the press conference or direct? I, mean, I think all told, Nintendo had the best press conference of of any showing at E3. I think it was absolutely outstanding. Some of the other companies might have set themselves up well for 2020, and I'm excited for what uh, games are coming on the horizon, but so much of what Nintendo showed, and they had on their show floor, and then also things they didn't have on their show floor. Maybe I didn't see or have time to play, um, but things like No More Heroes 3, I think, was an awesome announcement, like an official sequel to No More Heroes. Panzer Dragoon being remade, coming to Switch is huge. Astral Chain looks incredible, and it looks better and better. I'm um, curious to see how Elder Scrolls Blades evolves. They said it's going to be something larger on Switch, and continuing that Fallout Shelter trend of still being free on Switch. I'm Banjo- super excited about that, dude. Elder Scrolls Blades. That's- yeah, it looks I- awesome. I- I played that game a little bit on on my phone and was like, this game is really good. I'm not playing it on my phone. I'm just not. Go- I don't play those kinds of games on my phone. I barely play any games on my phone anymore because I just want my phone to work and not use up my battery life. Um, but I will play it on Switch for sure. That's a, I love the fact that they're doing that. Yeah, it looks like it has more interesting controls and they're they're kind of taking the time to do it well and blowing it out. Banjo-Kazooie coming to Smash. One, I thought that reveal trailer was super cute with Duck Hunt Dog and uh, um, Duck um, pretending to be Banjo and then, of course, actually seeing them. And I'm curious if that paves the way, if that's kind of the final step toward getting uh, the Nintendo 64 Mini to be a thing where it seems like Nintendo and Microsoft 
are, you know, fast friends with so many things these days. And if they're going to play ball with something like this, with getting a, you know, Nintendo slash rare slash now Microsoft uh, property back, like what does that lay the foundation for perhaps on an N64 mini? Um, So regardless from the character, I think that's exciting. Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, I think is incredible coming to the Switch. I'm curious to see, um, you know, how my excitement for the Switch and getting games ported to it changes as um, Stadia and xCloud maybe become more into my life. But as of right now, the idea of playing The Witcher 3, um, which I own a lot of places but have yet to finish uh, anywhere, <laughs> but bringing that it's with me... It's not just Wild Hunt. It's also Blood and Wine, right? It's the yeah, expansion it's, it, as it's well. It's the big one, yeah. Um, I think is is really incredible. And then I think I agree with Anthony. That end, that, that Zelda drop, I think is really big news. I think there's a chance... Uh, I'm not going to, maybe I'll save this for a bold prediction (laughs) uh, later uh, in the year, I guess early next year. I think there's a chance that it's a next year game because we have to remember that Breath of the Wild was a Wii U game and was well along in development and I think was held and probably continued to be worked on, but held for the Switch release to hit this launch date. So to me, it wouldn't seem too shocking if they're using a lot of the same assets and kind of doing a Majora's Mask approach to it that they're further along than we might think they are. And it looked like, you know, they showed a decent amount of gameplay or cinematics from it running in that engine. I wouldn't be surprised. Like three years ago, yeah, I would be like, no, no way, not going to happen. But we got Pokemon Let's Go, or, or, you know, Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu. Now we're getting Sword and Shield this year. They're also Link's Awakening. I mean, they're Nintendo, like Anthony said, they're, they're really giving the fans what they want. And so I, I think there's a lot to like there. And Luigi's Mansion 3 looks bigger and better than, like they're taking that franchise, you know, more seriously or as seriously as they've, as they've ever taken it. Um, I think it was absolutely incredible well, what let's, they did this year and what they showed. Let's, uh, you guys are certainly giving a lot more credence to that uh, ending of the, of the direct than I am. So let's dig into it a little more. What, what do you want out of a Breath of the Wild 2? What would be satisfying? I mean, I think you both have referenced Majora's Mask as a good reference point, and that was the Ocarina of Time 2, ostensibly. Uh, and, you know, if it was akin to that, where basically you're doing the same kinds of things you did in Breath of the Wild, I guess a new continent we'd need, I guess a new storyline we'd need. But if everything sure. basically worked the same way as Breath of the Wild we're going to be excited and happy about that rather than them okay. creating a real new Zelda. Here, here's Remember how excited you were about Link's Awakening at the <laughs> beginning of this show? Well, that's because I haven't played that game in 20 years. But this is, I mean, it's the same engine and same tech, but it'd be all new puzzles, all new temples. Yeah. It, it was um, also, yeah, it was also my favorite game of the year it came out. So more of that. Right. I mean, I, I think the easy <laughs> answer is you can take that same map, you can, you know, do some tweaks to it. You can put more shrines and you just do some sort of, which they kind of do in the trailer, some cataclysmic event that reveals dungeons and boom, Breath of the Wild 2 with dungeons sold. Everybody would be sold. I mean, I like the idea yeah. of adding dungeons to Breath of the Wild very much like, because I missed them yeah, big I, time. I feel like that's easy, easy s- sell to the exact same people that bought the first one, which, you know, there were tons of people that more... With you know, it's everybody that <laughs> bought a Switch initially, or more than that, because they couldn't get a Switch, but they bought the game. But I think that's the simple answer, is all they need to come out and say is like, look, we took the map, we messed around with it because some things happened story-wise, and now these 
temples, these dungeons, whatever, have revealed themselves. It's a little more traditional Zelda. What do you think? Everybody would go, yep, I'm going. Well, you're getting me to say, yep, I'm in. You know, uh, Breath of the Wild with dungeons, all of a sudden I'm excited. I, I missed them very, very much in the first game uh, or, you know, Breath of the Wild. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of pushing back to play devil's advocate a bit. But, I, you know, I, I do think that what tends to happen with Nintendo when they start making one of these games is they can't help themselves and they start iterating and improving and perfecting and then release dates get pushed back farther and farther. So I, I'm, I still am a teensy bit skeptical that we'll see this come out soon, but maybe you guys are right. Maybe, maybe everything's in place and there it really is more of an expansion level sequel than it is a brand new Zelda. And, and if, if that's the case, it could still be very enjoyable. Yeah. I, I think I, I, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I think that phrasing is is does a disservice to it like i don't i don't know what would to me an expansion breath of the wild they've already done it was the dlc for breath of the wild like to me this is it's an it's a new game right like even if they reuse assets and part of the map but then do like Fortnite it in some way right where like temples merge or fall or ganon does something or whatever to transform things you know i have everything all of the content of the game is going to be different so to me that's not an expansion as as much as it is it's a sequel right i don't think games need to be on a new engine well i mean if you um, look at let's we just talked about the witcher right blood and wine is a completely new game it's a it's an yeah. expansion to the witcher it uses the same engine uses the same character you go into a completely new area you can start blood and wine without ever having played the first you know wild hunt uh i mean i think that's an appropriate comparison but if you're talking, you know, they could have called that The Witcher 3, 2 if they wanted. Uh, they just didn't. So, I, you know, I don't know. It's semantical. It's maybe it's a semantic argument. Maybe it's a I don't mean it to be a pejorative. I do think that this is a different way of thinking about a sequel to Zelda, right? It's if it's you mean it to be majority hey yeah. well I, I think you're being a little unfair because witcher 3 took a long time to develop and then blood and wine and then hearts of stone they came out like a year later so well that's what you're saying this is well no i'm so you're hoping this i'm is. You're saying no because like christian said it was a wii it was a wii u game so i think by and large a lot of the stuff was hammered down as far as like what breath of the wild was and all the content and that i think they started thinking like, okay, we have this engine. We, we've started to work on it for Switch. What can we do to actually make this a true Switch game? So I think that a lot of that work is done. So if it comes out 2021, for example, I, I think that they'll have put enough effort in to make it you know, uh, feel different enough. I, I don't think it's just going to be like palette swaps in any way. But, you know. Okay, my last, my last question on that. And, and again, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just exploring the, the how you guys really feel about it. Um, my last question is, if this means that a true new Zelda, in the sense that Zelda games tend to have been in the past, of a completely new take on the world, uh, if, if it means that's farther away and not being worked on because they're making this sequel, you're, you're, you'd happily make that trade? Yes. Because okay. I feel like we we don't 
we don't get enough time with each Zelda because the console generation shifts for Nintendo and then they have to. Because it takes seven yeah, years to it, make it. It Zelda. takes so long. <laughs> you know, like I would have liked to see what they could do with a Twilight Princess sequel where they kind of built on what they learned, but they just started over from scratch and made Skyward Sword. And then it was like, well, there were a lot of shortcomings to Skyward Sword. I would have liked to see what they, and then they just, you know, revamped it yeah. for Breath of the Wild. I, I think that this is affording them the opportunity to learn lessons and expand upon everything that they did with Breath of the Wild and finally deliver a game that's in the same console cycle, quote unquote, and builds upon that and isn't just like, okay, we're tearing it all down and we're starting from scratch again. Yeah, I'd take Mario Galaxy 2s of every Nintendo franchise all day, every day, right? Like that game took Mario Galaxy, which was such an incredible game, and improved upon it in every single way, in my opinion, and added such amazing levels and and all the learnings from Galaxy, and they got to make it even bigger, better, and adding Yoshi and the puzzles and stuff like that. So if that's all that Breath of the Wild 2 is, I think that'd be a, you know, easy game of the year contender just from that. Yeah. No, I think it's it certainly will be excellent regardless because Nintendo won't allow it to not be. But uh I you know, I'm very curious. I'm very curious what this how quickly they can iterate on this and pull it out, you know, pull it off. I if they manage to get it out relatively quickly, I think that will be a major step for Nintendo and and they seem to really believe in the Switch and want content for it. And I think that maybe you guys are right. Maybe this will happen quicker. I remain skeptical and I think it's going to be a much farther out project, but we shall see. All right, we got lots more Nintendo to talk about. We got lots more E3 to talk about, but I do need to thank our first sponsor, which is Third Love, one of my favorite sponsors. Actually, not really one of my favorite sponsors as much as it's one of my wife's favorite sponsors. I just was talking to her uh, the other day and uh, she was like, are you still being sponsored by Third Love? I want to send your promo code to my sister, or not her sister, her friend, uh, my friend wants to buy, uh, I've been talking about how great the bras are at Third Love, and my friend wants to buy it. Do you still have the promo code? Yes, honey, I certainly do. Thirdlove.com slash DLC. Um, so let me tell you why she loves it so much, why she's recommending it to all her friends, because it's the best bra she has ever owned. And if you wear bras or you know someone who does, you really should tell them about Third Love, because these are bras that fit perfectly. I didn't even... I wasn't even aware, being a dumb guy, uh, how difficult it is to get a bra that fits correctly and how important it is, how much discomfort you can have and just irritation in wearing an ill-fitting bra. But Third Love has made bras that feel great and fit you right their mission. And how they accomplish their mission is pretty remarkable. First, they have more sizes than most other brands. They offer more than 70 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. Most people don't have half cup sizes, but most women, or at least 50% of women fall in between the traditional cup sizes. So they added half sizes to allow for more comfortable fits. They also have this thing called the fit finder quiz. It's just a few simple questions that you take. uh, You can take it on their app online and it's actually fun uh, to take. It takes less than a minute to complete over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date. And they help you determine your breast shape, not just your breast size, because your breast shape really contributes to finding a good fit. And 
they because 12 million women have taken the quiz, they've been able to perfect it, iterate on it, make it make it really uh, quick and easy and fun and able to get your perfect fit. Uh, it's super convenient. You can find your fit in 60 seconds with the online fit finder. You can order, you can try it on at home, no more awkward fitting room experiences. And they have a 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear, wash, put their bras to the test. And if you don't like it, you don't love it, you return it. And then Third Love washes it and donates it to a woman in need. So even if you end up not liking your bra, which is, I would be shocked because my wife loves hers, but even if you end up not wanting it, just the fact of, of uh, engaging with Third Love means that someone in need gets a bra. That's pretty wonderful. They have hands down the most comfortable bras and uh, at Third Love, bras cost the same no matter the size. So that's pretty cool too. They're incredibly soft, smooth, and breathable. And we're going to help you out. Like I told my wife for her friend, we've got you, we got 15% off for you. So Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering listeners of DLC 15% off their first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 15% off today. T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash DLC. I, I tell you, these are very popular in my house. So I think they will be in yours as well. All right, fellas, let's talk some more Nintendo. Uh, we went deep on Breath of the Wild 2, but uh, for me, uh, Luigi's Mansion 3, it, it just looks so charming. I did not get hands-on with this. Anthony, did you get hands-on with Luigi's I did, Mansion? yes. What did, you, what did you think about playing it? It reminded me so much of playing Luigi's Mansion originally. Like, it was, you know, it's the type of game that they nobody really makes uh i know that there was a sequel but i think it was handheld um or was it i don't know for ds i, I think it was yep. yeah it yep. was yep. okay it was handheld um so i yeah i never played that one but i did play the first one and i loved it and i was just really like kind of like initially playing through it and not really remembering but then I started to get the hang of it, flashing the flashlight, using the vacuum, and it's super clever. Clever. It has some good puzzles. Um, as far as the enemy encounters, it's it's more than just kind of basic combat of like flash the flashlight, use the vacuum. There's there are some ideas that play around with uh, like shields and and different um, kind of mechanics in terms of getting the ghosts. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was only like a short little demo, but had a boss battle. It had um, like environmental puzzles as well that use the um, vacuum that you have this ability where you kind of shoot out a, uh, like a plunger mm. and you uh, can, can vacuum the plunger. It has a little rope on it. So that can be used to like pull things around. It was, it was super clever, super charming. It was, um, probably the best thing I played at the Nintendo booth. And I played a lot of games there. I played at least like five or six games there. And, and I, I highly, highly, highly did not expect to be this excited for it initially, but then I was reminded, Oh yeah, you loved Luigi's mansion. Now I'm super excited for it. Yeah. I love the aesthetic as well. It's, I mean, they lean into that Disney esque cartoonish thing in such a beautiful way with this franchise and this game in particular. 
it man, it it looks great. There's like part where you you can become gooey, you know the the like oh yeah yeah slimer esque uh, yeah little ghost version of yourself that can you know go through spikes and do things. Um, yeah, it just it, Nintendo does this. They take these franchises that are that don't seem like the triple A and make them triple A, like like Mario Tennis. You know, there was a year where Mario Tennis was like. No, this is a game everyone should take notice of because they're really putting a lot of effort and refinement into this, and we're making it a triple A title. Um, so yeah, man, Luigi's Mansion Three, real contender for game of the show, I think. Christian, what was your take on that one? I think it looked great. I also did not get to play it. All I got to play uh, over at Nintendo is I made time for Marvel Ultimate Alliance and a little bit of Link's Awakening. Um, but I, I think to me, what makes it look like a nice blown out sequel is what Anthony said, kind of the addition of or the larger looking environmental um, puzzles and something like that. The first game kind of lacked. It was kind of just a, a tech showcase of, of sorts for the GameCube. Um, but I think that there's some really fun puzzle elements to the game as well as like clever combat stuff, you know, air quote combat stuff. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a really great addition to a franchise that is, you know, suddenly beloved. I remember when it first launched on GameCube, it was like, where's the Mario game? Like, no, 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 no. It's the Luigi game. And everybody's like, oh, no one cares. Yeah. And then now slowly but surely, um, you know, Luigi's Mansion is winning people over. Yeah, yeah. I was like, when do I jump on things? I don't jump on things. And it's weird. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a slow game. It's It's got its own deliberate pace, but it's real charming and real fun. Uh, but let's talk about uh, a couple of games you did play. Let's, uh, let's talk about Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. Uh, I know you were real hyped on this one, the fact that it was coming to Switch exclusively, Christian. What did you think getting hands-on with it? Yeah, my hype has not relented at all. It, I, I love these games originally. I'm the the idiot who bought <laughs> who bought the remastered ones for this generation at full price when they are, you know, not good ports. <laughs> yeah, they were great games, um, though, man. I the, loved these these games. Yeah. And so I played just with uh, three other randoms. So we weren't like we had some team up stuff. I feel like a lot of the stuff that this game is bringing to the table, it, the limited time hands on I had with it, I didn't really get to see of like combining powers and stuff like that. But playing, you know, air quote couch co op um, next to people, even on a busy convention show floor, really highlights what makes this game so special. Um, it's just kind of all of these awesome heroes and, you know, we'll talk about Avengers later, but I think in really cool, um, graphical versions of them that are neither the movies nor the comic books per se, but kind of their own thing in these wild teams that if you pair them up the right way, you're still getting the bonuses from them. Um, it's, it plays great. I saw one moment of slowdown when, um, oh, what was it exactly? Man, it's so funny. Like, it didn't end that long ago, but you know how <laughs> E3 is E3. It feels like it was already last year. There was one moment where, like, we all had powers going, and I wasn't sure if it was kind of slowing down to, like, oh, look at all this cool explosion, or if it was, like, the Switch was, like, hey, <laughs> look at all this explosion. Um, but it, it was awesome. It was really, really fun, and, it, you know, they didn't have anywhere close to the full selection of characters available but I really like the way those games let you use, or this game, I should say, and the originals did as well, let you use your hero's power. You know, done are the days of, 
you get to bring out Wolverine's nails for a minute and it hurts your health, you know, or something like that. It gives you all of these awesome heroes and it lets you play with them how you want to play with them. And um, yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, it's next month. So, yeah. And I think Best Buy has hands-on for people around the country. Um, if you want to get an early look on it, I think later this month too. So I would definitely recommend uh, keeping it on your radar. Yeah. Uh, Link's Awakening, I I was just bowled over by how much it looks like my dream of what that game would look like it every texture every everything seems so high res and beautiful like it's sculpted out of clay or or like a like a living porcelain statue or something um which was great because they had those dioramas on the show floor i had these like i don't know if they were porcelain or not but like these really cool looking you know dioramas of moments from the game and you would look at that then you look at the game and it it really cemented that look in my eyes of like, oh, wow, this this is that. I'm playing this awesome built world that is just absolutely adorable. Yeah. I, I think it has to go alongside Resident Evil 2 and um, um, Shadow of the Colossus as this new kind of breed of remake. Like it is that striking and modern feeling and uh revelatory as far as <laughs> taking this old thing and making it look gorgeous and new. I don't know. I was bowled over by it. Anthony, I, I get the feeling you weren't quite as impressed. Oh man. So both of your games, I kind of am going to bring on the parade. Classic um, Ultimate Alliance. I thought, <laughs> I thought was, was a mess. It what? was, oh, oh, it was just, it, it was just a mess of effects and it was hard to know yes. where you were. It was, yeah. uh, it was the camera was terrible. Christian hates uh, knowing where he is. It didn't play very well. I, it was, it was rough. Uh, super rough. Um, Zelda, I think looks great and, and plays pretty well. It ran really bad. The demo I did have a couple of moments of stutter. I noticed that like too, it, but I kind of chalked that up to not being a yeah, you, thing. You can't, you can't. I mean, I don't think that that's fair, though. I don't think it's fair these days, especially to say, "Oh, I noticed that," but they'll figure that out later. Because it, it basically, anytime you went outside, it was it was chugging, like not just like, "Oh, that was a little ketchup chugging." It was chugging. <laughs> Um, That's the E3 hype train answer. I mean, having played both Pokemon and Luigi's Mansion, which ran great and were like really well done evolutions of their respective franchises, playing Ultimate Alliance and playing Zelda. Zelda, I think, has more promise because I could see, you know, the frame rate could and will most likely be ironed out and it'll be totally fine but ultimate yeah, alliance was not switch that comes out <laughs> yeah, yeah but ultimate <laughs> alliance was not a frame rate problem it just uh, it just looked like a mess it looked like but that's what those games are supposed to be it's like it's like a food fight uh, i don't know I, I find that charming still there was there was so much of like even the person that was because when they do these Nintendo demos, there's like a person that will play with you or stand I near you, so and much. they just kept saying, "I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what's going on." And I was like, "Me either." Um, no, I talked to quite also. a few people, and very I, Christian, you are literally the only person that came away like totally on board. Hmm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an OG fan. I mean, I think those, those Ultimate Alliance to be. Were back on that for a little bit that's what those games are right they're just kind of a 
a big smash smorgasbord of explosions effects. You're doing your superpowers, and you'll get a cool cutscene. Then you'll get a fun plot point, and then you'll change characters and move on. So I think it delivered everything that I expect from that kind of game. I mean, I just feel like that type of that type of combat is done better in other games like Path of Exile and things like that. I just, yeah, it it didn't do anything for me. And the the Zelda is more. I'm harping on the fact that it was hard to get a true sense of it because it ran so poorly. I, I have, I have faith that Nintendo, I know I made the joke that it will run smoothly on the new switch, but I, I, I have faith that if Nintendo can, they will get yeah. that game running smoother before it comes out. What September? Or yeah. Something like that. I feel like breath of the wilds demo at E3, whatever year that was had some chugging like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up, but I feel like that was the case. Uh it it was a I think it was a little I it, but it was it was more it was impressive what they were trying to do. This was why is this chugging? <laughs> I walked you know, this the is screen like, and it moved to another screen. What the what's the problem? Yeah, it was like why why is this chugging, guys? Because it does it does look incredible, and I think anybody that was a huge fan of the games, uh, the game originally or has no. Uh, you know, no knowledge of the game previously will really dig it. Both camps should dig it. But yeah, that that was kind of mind blowing, especially because Nintendo tends to bring these demos that are hands on demos and they always seem very polished. And if anything is not going to be polished, they don't bring it like Animal Crossing probably is not there. Um, you know, other companies bring demos and they are a little rough and they you play it behind closed doors and you you don't really get to see. Uh, what it looks like running if you're just like hanging out there but this was everything was on display there were opportunities to see it and yeah i i walked around the booth and watched everybody play it as well to see if like maybe it was just me and nope chugga so you did get a chance to play sword and shield um i didn't i I did i'm not a pokemon guy so i didn't make time for that What, what was your take on pokemon i mean it's gonna it's going to sell a bajillion copies. It is console Pokemon. Everybody's sold on day one. All right. Fair enough. Like there, there isn't, there isn't a lot going on that I could see. There's a, a Dynamax mode uh, where you can make your Pokemon giant like yeah. stadium size, which is pretty neat, but it was console level Pokemon in every sense of the world word and everybody's going to be crazy about it. If you're a Pokemon fan, like that's it. What do you think about the limited Pokedex? Do you think that's as big of a deal as people are making it out to be now? Or is it just because the game delivers, it seems on every other front, this is the one stone we can cast. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's a concession they probably just had to make in order to, to get to deliver this game at the level that they wanted to, instead of, taking forever to to get all of the pokemon right and do all of whatever they needed to do like i th- i think it is it is the concession they had to make for sure so are you guys satisfied with uh that being our nintendo discussion are there any other games you want to bring up before we move on nope i'm good yeah, I'm good. I'm excited for the year, though. There's a lot of uh, fun stuff. It seems like they were focused on 2019 in a big way. This yeah, year, in the, contrast the way to other companies previous. weren't. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, let's talk about some of those other games. Let's talk about the big, big hitters. Uh, shall we start with the biggest hitter of them all? Cyberpunk 2077, which I should note, the last time we did one of these retrospectives of E3 was our E3 game of show. 
Um, you guys may remember that I was a little reluctant to give Cyberpunk 2077 our game of show because I thought it was going to be at the next E3. And here we are, where it seems to have uh, picked up game of show at almost every site again. Uh, and I don't know about I feel like when you give a game E3 game of show and then it's there the next year, should you be able to give a game of show again? I think it is. I think what they showed this year behind closed doors was far superior to what they showed last year for Jeff, my money. Jeff DLC listener with their hand raised in the back over here saying you guys were strongly considering giving Spider-Man two years in a row. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. We I stand to- by that. Having someone who just purchased and is playing the DLC, I would give it this year's game of show also. What a great game. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a great game. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about it. Um, they showed another hour behind closed doors. I mean, what they showed at the press conference was the Keanu reveal inside a cutscene, inside a, I think pre-rendered cutscene. Um, and that trailer, I think left a lot of people feeling a bit disappointed that it wasn't more gameplay, but they yeah. brought the gameplay behind closed doors, as they tend to do. CD Projekt Red tends to have these very lengthy gameplay reveals. They did it for Witcher 3 back in the day, and they're doing it again here. Uh, and They did it for Cyberpunk back in the day. Yeah, yeah, last, last year. year. <laughs> uh, and last year's, I, I have to admit, I think people, if you remember this episode last year at this time, I was uh, as excited as I was for Cyberpunk and have been because I'm such a huge CD Projekt Red fan. I was a little less than enthusiastic about the first personness of it and just the sort of crassness of what they showed. It was very, uh, very M rated and, and that's fine. I don't, you know, I'm not a prude, but it just felt like it, what they weren't surfacing was the stuff I was most excited about, which is how does the city work? What's the role playing like? How complex are the interactions? All that stuff. It felt like this year, that's what they showed they ping ponged uh, in the in the hour long demo. They ping ponged between two different builds of the main character, which you're not able to actually do in the main game. Although I think they should be able to. <laughs> I think they should add that in because it was awesome. Um, but anyway, it was like showing how depending on how you build your character in the role playing, you know, game, whether it is a they showed a um, a net runner, which is more of the hacker idea. Uh, and then they showed like a full on brawler with high strength stat and able to just punch things and be brute force. And they switched back and forth to show how each of these characters would deal with a, a quest and a problem. And it was very compelling. It was really interesting that the game is utterly gorgeous. The environment had zero loading times and they say you can go from one end to another without it ever getting to a loading screen. The character they were on a 2080 Ti though, right? Like, come the on. The rumor is right? that it was PS4 Pro. I don't know really? if that's wow. true, but some outlets claim that they asked and they said that was PS4 Pro. They did not say what it was running on for my demo, so I don't know. It yeah, they it didn't certain, mention it in my demo. It certainly looked more realistic than the first demo. I will say that. Like, it certainly looked more like a game of today then the, the first demo when they walk out into like this open courtyard in night city you're just like no way no uh-uh. <laughs> Dude, everything they, has reflected neon on every window there's yeah. a moment there's a moment in this demo where they walked into a nightclub and there was like 200 npcs there and all of them had stat like he could scan sure, all of yeah, them and they were but, all 
things. And I was like, this is insane. W Matthew in the chat saying it was confirmed a 2080 Ti 8700K. I don't, I cannot, as the only person of the three of us who did not witness this behind closed doors, I don't know, but. I I did, um, I just remember seeing a headline. Somebody said it was running on PS4 Pro. Could be, could be nonsense. Could be somebody just trying to get some, some clicks, but yeah. I'd be shocked if they weren't running it on a PC dev kit, but. You know, who knows? My questions for you both between this, you know, these two approaches, Netrunner and, you know, guns blazing. I had read and heard from people on the show floor that the guns blazing approach left them less than impressed. Like if that was the only version they showed, people would have been like, ah, kind of the same thoughts that I think you had last year, Jeff. Yeah. Of like, I'm hopeful for the game, but I don't know. Um, and then the Netrunner approach everybody would seem pretty high on. I'm curious for both of you if that's how you felt also, if you thought there were merits to to both versions of what they showed. Well, I will say that the hacker stuff was much more compelling for me. There was a, you get this red laser rope thing, evidently, that is that lets you hack into enemies and you can like, whip it at their heads and it can hack into them. But they also used it as a laser whip that would slice <laughs> limbs off of people and do create, you know, hack people in half, uh, which was pretty visually spectacular. Uh, but the, you know, the run and gun version of punching through walls and ripping doors off their hinges instead of trying to hack your way through the door uh, was also pretty cool looking yeah. I just think overall the demo was far superior this year to last year. I, I would say with the strength thing, I think there's too much focus. I think there was too much of a, uh, I don't know, emphasis put on that its strength is run and gun. And I think a better comparison is like if you're playing Deus Ex, for example, and you go for strength, you can unlock pathways and still be stealthy. Uh, like, for example, you can rip off a door. So if a door is locked, you can rip a door. So like Deus Ex, where you could move like a vending machine and find a yeah. vent. So you don't necessarily have to spec into strength and then just shoot all the time. So I, I do think, think think there's more options. Um, I, I thought they both looked really entertaining. They looked different. Uh, I totally understand um, why they went this way. I think that they needed to get out the fact that this is a first person shooter that it's got different mechanics in that first demo because if that first demo was very rpg focused dialogue options you know character customization skill checks hacking things like that and then the second demo says oh yeah it's like a crazy shooter people would be super (laughs) taken aback so i think they needed to get that introduction set up so that people understood what it was and i think it was all ultimately a better uh demo to get people talking because i think a, there are a lot of people that are excited about cyberpunk that maybe when the game comes out are going to be like well this really isn't the game for me uh, and yeah. and that's because it, it is clearly based on this second demo a hardcore rpg um yeah I, but it's I also think, a, a real shooter i mean there's some shooty shoots oh, for sure for sure second demo and interestingly, though, they did mention that you can play through the entire game non-lethal. If you choose, you can have a non-lethal playthrough. But I found it hilarious that the, there's a boss fight that they show you in that hour. And the boss fight is full on like shooting it in the back because it has a weak point and smacking it in the face and it's smashing walls and you're shooting, shooting, shooting. And then you get it down to zero hit points and it falls over. And it's like, now you have the option to kill it or keep it alive. And it's like... 
I've been shooting it in the face. <laughs> but now it knocked it down to zero hit points. Now you can either finish it off lethal or not. It's like, that's not really the spirit of non-lethal playthrough. Non-lethal playthrough is supposed yeah. to be like, I didn't shoot you in the face at any point. <laughs> but I just like like a version where the non-lethal playthrough is just like at the very beginning of the game, some gang's like, oh, we need you to, like, Keanu's like, I need you to help me find, you know, the spirit of my lost girlfriend. We got to go blow up the town. Or we can go deliver packages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deliver packages for well, 80 hours. I think I think part of that was just last year. They said there will not be a non-lethal pay- playthrough. And people were like, what? It seems like Deus Ex. You should have a non-lethal playthrough. So they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And then they went back through and they were like, well, all these bosses that you have to kill will give you the option to be like, no, yeah. spare. They'll just fall over and you can be like, no, you're not dead. Yay. What I do want to say is those of you that didn't see the behind the closed doors, I know that the trailer was a CG trailer, but based on what they talked about in the press co- or in the behind closed doors presentation, that trailer gives you a lot of hints about the story of the game. And so I think it is cooler uh, than you might think it might it's there's more to it i don't want to spoil it for anything yeah uh, for anybody but i think the trailer actually does set up kind of core elements of the story that is inside. and it makes more sense that keanu's in it having seen more of the story this <laughs> is like oh this is absolutely very keanu yes. stuff um that's my concern with the game and we've talked about this offline a little bit jeff and i i don't know because you know there, i imagine it's a very big game but my kind of concern is the, I don't know if I want to live in an awful world where well, every, it's awful. It's, <laughs> right. Where everyone is awful and every gang is awful and they're saying awful things about awful people and the corporations are exploiting people in awful ways and the ads are commentary on things being awful and this is awful and you're awful. And I, I feel like yeah. if, if handled with the right tact, Maybe some of that stuff works, but I'm also not sure if this game and this developer will. Um, So I think there's a long way to go, obviously, until 2020. But those are my reservations about the game. And I think this year's E3 did little to um, convince me one way or the other that this game will will say things in an interesting or compelling way and not just like the world's garbage live in it, which I don't know if I'm on board for. It's not called cyber pleasant. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's true. It's got a punk aesthetic and that's, uh, you know, it's, that's either you're okay with it or not okay with it. And I, I, I sympathize, you know, I, I definitely have gotten to that point too, where I'm like, I don't know if I want to live, but I mean, spend so much time to place. some extent blade runner. I don't know. It, it handled like the studios had issues with, transgender jokes in terms of their social media and their PR um, the game it appears to have similar problems um, I know they released a statement saying that it's a commentary on on corporations and stuff like that but like Blade Runner in my opinion both the original and the excellent sequel film um, managed to be commentary on a harsh world but I think did so in a way that didn't necessarily seem to put um people into set groups or be distasteful in other ways so i'm not i'm not sure uh if if cyberpunk means bad if it needs to right i think you can have a world i I mean i think you could take a lot from star wars 
and and make that cyberpunky and have it be hopeful and kids bringing brooms across a room <laughs> in some form <laughs> or fashion right and and have it and so again there's a you know they didn't talk about this part of the game and it's a very long game but i think those are my main reservations aside from does the shooting feel good well also you know back to the sort of mechanics of the game i was there's a moment in the hour demo where you get on a motorcycle and a, you know, a cool cyber motorcycle and take off through the night. And it stayed in first person for a little while. And I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to drive a motorcycle in this game. It seemed impossible to drive a motorcycle. And then they popped into third person mode for the motorcycle. I was like, thank God, because last year they showed driving and it was only in first person. And I just felt completely disoriented and, impossible to see where to go or how to go. And it was even 10 times worse on the motorcycle. Then they popped into third person mode. And I was like, Oh, thank you. Can I play the whole game in third person, please? Or is it just the driving sections? So I, I'm, I'm actually have a glimmer of hope that they'll even put a full third person mode in the game, which would make me very happy. All right. Uh, that was Cyberpunk. We got lots more games to talk about. Oh my goodness. But I do need to thank our second sponsor, which is indeed Prime. So let me ask you, are, are you driving to work right now? Are you driving home from work right now? Are you dreading going into the office? <laughs> are you do you do you want something new? Well, stop living for the weekend and start doing what you love with Indeed Prime. They'll help you skip irrelevant engineering, product design, and other tech roles and help you go farther in your career. One free application on Indeed Prime puts tech candidates in front of thousands of companies like PayPal, Twilio, and WP Engine across more than 90 cities. It's that simple. They'll match you to the right role based on your needs. All their candidates also get one-to-one access to technical career coaching, resume reviews, mock interviews, and even salary negotiation tips to seal the deal. So whether you're hiring or looking, meet your match on Indeed Prime. Join now at indeedprime.com slash DLC. That's indeedprime.com slash DLC. All right, um... There are, I think, a handful of real top-tier games at this year's E3, and I want to get through all of them. Uh, The next game I'd like to talk about is Avengers, because that was the game I was most excited about going into this E3. Uh, The Square Enix uh, press conference left me, I think, a little worried about this game, but I got to see the behind closed doors. I know, Anthony, we talked and you're like, are you going to get to see it? I was like, I don't know. And I did. <laughs> so hopefully it didn't change your schedule too much. But no, I thought. Okay, good. Uh, I thought what they showed behind closed doors for Avengers was way more uh, encouraging than the presentation at their press conference. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was here's what... <laughs> But I guess I want to say it, it was here's what the game is, but I don't think it was that. It's I don't know. It was weird. It 
gave me a better sense of how the game might play, but it also left me with more questions because of how it was set up. You're right. And I came away with the exact same thing. If I had just seen that and not heard them talk to me about anything, I would be like, oh my God, this is basically Spider-Man, Sony Spider-Man or God of War or Uncharted, but the Avengers. It's a big, sprawling, linear first person first person excuse me big sprawling linear narrative single player experience like that's what i wanted that's what i'm excited about is gonna be but the messaging is no it's the division or destiny but i don't know if like you play through this this single player thing because what they showed behind closed doors was a lot of gameplay it was clearly a game being played uh, and it looked really good. It was this big battle on the Golden Gate Bridge. It looked really good. And you start as Thor, and then you transition to Iron Man, and then you transition to Hulk, and then you transition to uh, Black Widow. Uh, and you're you're only ever doing one part of the thing at a time. It doesn't look like you choose to transition. It's all story-based, cutscenes cut inter- intermixed with all that stuff. You're doing cool stuff. They all have different powers there's big battles with prominent marvel villains bombastic and awesome and it looked like there was multiple paths through the level because the hulk didn't go on certain areas that looked very much like you should go there looked awesome quick time events quick time events yes quick time events quick, like spider man of those, yes. those but i mean spider man had those and I, I i had a great time with that game i don't i don't i wouldn't i don't think you that's an e3 game um, of show 2019 spider man <laughs> yeah i mean that's what i would have come away from that behind closed doors demo of that game thinking this is exactly what i was hoping for it's spider-man but done with all of the avengers not just one marvel hero but they kept saying no no there's going to be this like multiplayer content where you'll be doing division and destiny type stuff yeah and that doesn't square with what i saw no pun intended. Yeah, it seemed it seemed like uh based on you know just filling in kind of details and totally speculating is that this level um which is actually in the trailer it's it, it seems like this is the tutorial and this is your chance to play all five of the heroes to decide which one you like because then you're going to go into the game and play in co-op hmm. and you're going to want to commit to uh, one of them, or you're going to want to start with one. So of them. your theory so is like, they showed none of the actual game. They just showed you this weird, <sighs> not the game prequel. I bit. don't. Yeah. See, I don't think that the main game is having you jump between the characters. I think you pick you, you play through and you go, I liked how Iron Man played and I'm going to play Iron Man. I wonder if that, and I, I, I agree with you, Anthony. I think there's a very strong case. It's that, especially based on what they showed and the trailer of like, cap dying and five years later and you know all of that stuff i also wonder if the game is kind of setting itself up similarly to destiny 2 um and especially i was gonna say the fallen order what's the what's this last big uh where forsaken yeah forsaken right where it's like it's got a single player campaign and then it also has all the destiny i wonder if avengers has a single player campaign right where it's like that's just for you to play. It's six hours. It's it's a lengthy air quote tutorial or whatever it is. And then there's the matchmaking and whatever. But even if that's the case, my question is in Destiny, you know, we can go raid and all be hunters. Can we all be Hulk? You know, like, yeah. How does that well, work? Idea. 
all Hulk runs. It, <laughs> it certainly seemed like the other thing is there are it almost seemed like there were two abilities in the bottom right. Like for example, Thor can throw his hammer and Thor can do lightning. And then it kind of seemed like he had an ultimate. Yeah. That charged up over which time. Seemed, yeah. yeah. Which seemed very, it seems also very destiny with like a melee yeah. and a grenade and an ult and, and a super. So I don't know. It, it, there were just a lot of things that they maybe put on the screen or just didn't say, didn't want to talk about that. Uh, I, I came away from it saying like, oh, wow, it looks better than I was, you know, it gave me a better feeling of certain aspects, like how it will play, how it will look, this and that. I didn't mind that they don't look like the movie actors because for the most part, you're looking at the back of their head and from the back of their head, they totally look fine. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it, it wasn't as much of a big deal, but yeah, they didn't, they didn't say like, Oh wow, we killed an enemy. Here's some loot. Let me go inspect this loot. Right. Or like, you know, uh There was no XP, there was no nothing on the screen of, of that nature at all. Yeah, so there's just so much about the demo that didn't really give you a good sense of what the game is based on the stuff that they said what the game is after the Square Enix press conference. It was just really weird. It was um, a little weird. I, I think Christian, you may be Right. And that's kind of the sense that I had is that it's two games that is it is really a narrative based, nearly single player or single player in co-op sort of like, you know, Halo experience that you can play through with your friends or you can play through solo. And then when that is over, then this whole other thing starts, which is a multiplayer progression based thing that may be more like what Call of Duty does, which is you're not leveling up your you know your destiny character as much as you're leveling up your persona and so you know in in call of duty like i level up and i get this on-screen uh, call sign or whatever that ha- shows my level and shows how much cool stuff i've i've done and lets me have access to more perks than somebody lower level than me but it doesn't really matter what class i play because every match i can change that i think that may be more like what it is where you jump into a mission with your friends that is end game avengers and this day you're going to play thor and some other day you're going to play iron man or whatever you constitute your team as you constitute it but your your progression carries over regardless of what character you play and it's just this like global progression thing huh yeah I mean, I that's the hardest part of these games, and I think Ultimate Alliance. Going back to that, what they that game has done in the past, it's it is that right. It's you get other costumes along the way, but you're not mixing and matching. And I think the thing that these superhero games in the loot genre have struggled with DC Universe Online, you create a your own fictional character, right? Um, the Dennis Didak um, X Men game, you are a fictional character in the X Men universe again then marvel superheroes online like the diablo like marvel game it also ran into that problem where there'd be like a hundred wolverines you know and and like you'd get new claws but they don't look different per se they're kind of a stat boost i think it's really hard to blend these types of games where you want to get new cool stuff constantly and see it reflected on screen the way diablo or destiny or um some extent anthem uh does as well or um borderlands where your gun is you know two-thirds of your screen it seems like um it's it's tough i I don't know 
I don't know what the solve would be if I were designing it. Like, how do you please everybody? Because it'd be weird to have like, like using Spider-Man example again, you unlock the um, um, cartoon looking suit, you know? And like, would you have like cartoon looking legs, MCU looking torso and like Jack Kirby (laughs) face? You know, like that's so weird. So weird. Yeah, they they did in the trailer. It kind of looked like you could get. I wonder if there was a sequence of Iron Man in space. I wonder if that was purposefully Iron Man wearing, you know, a space version. You know, yeah, it was all black and white. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe that is that is something you get. So it's like full suit idea. But yeah, I, they they honestly didn't talk about so much with the game. They were just like they like stood up and gave you this overview that was very like slideshow presentation and then just let the game play out and we're like yep that's it see ya um which is you know in today's uh approach to e3 where the value of e3 is being able to show off the game and being able to help people get a sense of what the game is like whether it is in front of uh people at the press conference or behind closed doors, like so many of the games where you're like, I'm not quite sure. Like I wasn't quite sure what cyberpunk is on the RPG side this year. They said, here's what it is. Like this, this presentation was so much of a head scratcher. Cause it was like, well, is this the tutorial? Is this, is this what you should be showing? Is this, is this real? Is this even the game? I don't know. At least I saw, I mean, I, I agree with you hundred percent, but I, at least I saw, what the game plays like at some point. <laughs> so, you know, I felt like I, I, I saw guess more. it'd be like if, if an uncharted demo was like, you know, here's uncharted four guys. And then they showed you a r- young Drake portion and you were like, uh, wait, <laughs> but then didn't say anything. Didn't say like, this is a flashback or this is to inform, you know, Drake's uh, relationship with his brother, Sam. It was just like, here you go. Okay. Bye. And you were like, wait, I have questions, please. Um, and I like this, uh, from Frank and Thumbs in the chat. Hard to believe that Square takes six years for two Final Fantasy VII trailers and then releases a full games as service game eight months after announcing it. <laughs> yeah, it's like Final yeah. Fantasy, like, we're working on it. We're It's just the first half. Maybe I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. We're work- And then it's like, here it is, Marvel's Adventures, coming out next week. <laughs> what is it? Who knows? Buy it. It's weird. Well, it's not till May. It's, it's got a little ways. There's off, no way yeah. that game's coming out in May, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. Uh, all right. Um, I mean, I want to talk about Outer Worlds at some point, but I'd love to know what, what games you guys really want to surface. Uh, Anthony, do you have a, a Final uh, Fantasy VII? Final Fantasy VII, I played it. Uh, it was a real short section. The combat, if you're worried about the combat, it's super fun. It is more than just like a hack and slash. You kind of use hack and slash to build up your uh, ATB gauge, and then you can use the ATB gauge uh, bars to spend on like more tactical things. Like you can do clouds, braver attack. You can do, um, Barrett's, um, various like machine gun hand attacks. So there's a lot more, um, of a kind it's, you know, it's still not turn-based, but there's a lot more going on than you might think. It's not just hitting square all the time, uh, which it should be, you know, reassuring to people. It looks great. It, it was like, the weirdest thing I said it when I wrote my preview, it was like playing final fantasy 
for when I had originally played it, it was like what my mind had created the experience to be like, you know, like cool. yeah. putting the polygons yeah. together and making it look more like cloud. It was like, <laughs> wow, this is, this just feels like the game. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was really fun. I, I hope that they, there were some rumors they were going to release a demo. I hope they do because I think it will convince people that it is, uh, it is a lot more in tuned with the RPG ness and oh man, it looks good and it's really fun. Uh, it's got some like cool kind of like, uh, puzzly mechanic stuff with, with the boss battle I played. It was only a short piece though. So, you know, I can't speak to the larger parts, but it feels like a real game. It feels like they're putting together something. So I, mm-hmm. I was pretty excited. I came away from it uh, really, really excited to, to hopefully be able to uh, see more of it at, I don't know, uh, Gamescom. Yeah, or TGS. Well, that's exciting. Uh, I think that game does look very, very good. Um, Christian, did you have a, a game? I mean, I can zoom through some stuff if you'd like. Um, I don't know if others will want to spend a lot of time with it, but I can I can cover some things quickly that I'm impressed by, but I don't think need to spend a lot. We don't need to spend a lot of time on. Okay. Um, Lego Star Wars looks incredible. New engine, all nine games, not re-releasing the earlier version of the past seven games they've done. Um, open worlds, exploring. It's a 2020 game, but it's something that I went in there thinking like, oh, great, they're going to repackage the other seven games and then add the two new stories. I know what this is, and it is not. Um, looked really, really impressive. All of the vehicles are built out of Lego pieces, um, like every single one, Superstar Destroyer, and um, they're spending time getting that right, they said, to really make them built out of that. Um, that blew me away uh gears five i played just briefly they had the what is it outrun um yeah escape part yeah and i played a teensy bit of borderlands three and what i can say about both of those games and i think this is a testament and a detriment to them uh if i had to sum up in one word it'd be yep i I played gears and i played borderlands like i i think they're both going to be excellent games that i'm going to play right and Yes, it's hard to get excited about them. They're known quantities, but they're, I think they're both going to be super solid, well-made, fun experiences. Yeah, like if I if someone had told me after I left Borderlands three and they just said, actually, that's just the Borderlands two expansion that we just released that you can get for free right now, I'd have been like, okay, <laughs> like I, I, you got me. <laughs> Oops. I will um, say this: the two K booth. Uh, had about 4,000 computers set up to play Borderlands 3. And by Friday, or by Thursday, I should say, uh, you could it, you could just walk up and play that game at any time you wanted. There, I mean, it, it was... I don't know what that means. I don't know what that says. Yeah. But they were... There was no line. Yes, there were lots of stations. So, But it seemed like they were expecting a lot of people to want to play that. And on Thursday... I just walked right up yeah, and I mean, sat down. The sad thing is it was one of the like handful of games you could actually play. So I think most people got it out of the way early. Um, it was, a, it yeah. was a good demo. I've played it twice now. Good demo. It, it's a super yeah. good demo. It is more borderlands, but um, you could play as Moe's the gunner who uh, has like a mech as her ability, which is super neat. Um, I think that it is going to be, uh, 
occupying a lot of my time loot based. Uh, I hate yep. that it comes out like right next to destiny, which is like <laughs> the worst possible timing of all time. But yeah, it's, it's, it was super fun every time I played it, but it is also more borderlands, which, you know, to Gearbox's credit where other people are like, well, you want more of this? Nope. We're giving you this gearbox said, you want more borderlands? Well, here you go. Yeah. yeah. And then the the other two I'll do quickly like this, and unless someone else wants to talk more about them, um, Wolfenstein Youngblood and Doom Eternal Wolfenstein. Um, I found it fascinating that Nintendo had it up in their booth as well. Uh, you know, in years past, Nintendo sometimes shies away from having that stuff. It seems like they don't care as much. I mean, it was on the show floor very close to all of their other games. Um, so I was able to see it there and then play hands-on. I don't know what it was running on over at um, Bethesda's booth. PC. Uh, yeah, I think I had an Xbox controller. Um, oh, yeah, but it was PC. It's PC. Um, all I kept hearing in my ear for that game was Arcane worked on the level design, which I'm sold. <laughs> I think it'll be a better co-op experience, but it moved fast, played great. Um, and the problem, if listeners remember, I had with Wolfenstein 2 was that while the levels were cool and realistic looking, um, they were a bear to get around, in my opinion, where it was like, oh, I, what's in this door under this staircase? Nothing? Okay. Uh, where? Let me follow this light. Dead end? Well, that's frustrating. And I think Arcane makes some of the best levels, um, maybe of all time, from Dishonored and Prey and, and the level design they create. So I think that plus co-op and just it felt really good still is very encouraging. That game is also very soon. And then Doom Eternal, um, again, because I played this Tuesday and it feels like an eon ago. So look look it up. Someone wrote this up better than I did. Uh, Anthony, can I send them to Game Rant? I don't know. Uh, Doom Eternal is awesome. Yes. It's awesome. It, yes. it was, oh my God. Can you, it so was awesome. What I forget is, so I think that the short, the hard thing it has is that Doom 2016 blew me out of the water as like such a pleasant surprise that Doom Eternal now has to live up to those expectations. But I think the way it's living up to them is really interesting. It's leaning into that, um, everything has a counter effect approach. Whereas like in 2016, you know, you'd kill a guy with the chainsaw and you'd get ammo or you'd mm-hmm. glory kill them and you'd get health. So it kept you rushing in. And this game, um, what the flamethrower gave you shield. Is that right? So if you, if you, if you set an enemy on fire and then you shoot them, yeah, it drops armor. Yeah. And so like every, I feel like every combat mechanic had a risk reward where like you do this to get armor you do this to get health you do this to get ammo you swing here to do this and it, it, i kind of felt like and i don't mean this in a negative way at all like a, a fast-paced gory rhythm game of like pedal to the metal action where i was really weighing the consequences of what i was doing and how i was trying to do it meanwhile a demon had an axe the size of a 10-story building um i think it's going to be very very fun uh, to hit on it, it quickly it's yeah it's i think what they did for the game i mean you you go inside a literal bfg a giant bfg and just shoot yourself <laughs> towards mars um but it it just has a lot more movement options there's a there's a dash you have you can uh you can climb up walls yeah there's 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 platforming which i think adds a new level to these little arenas where, but it's very, very similar. You know, you're going to go into an area. Some, some smaller demons are going to appear. You're going to kill them and then it's going to ramp up. But man, 
you think yourself like, oh, you know, Doom was was great. I love Doom. If they just gave me more of that, would I be excited? But the second I started walking around and the, you know, the forgive me if this is too loud, but the like started kicking in, I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> you know, the the soundtrack is great. The movement is great. It's just, oh man, I'm I'm very very excited to play more of it and not at all bothered by the similarities it has to the 2016 game. Yeah. I'm uh, I think Doom Eternal is going to be barrels of fun. Exploding barrels of fun. <laughs> uh yeah. Um okay, I want to talk a little bit about Outer Worlds because Outer Worlds is going to be a game I'm going to play a lot of, I think. <laughs> I was very impressed with what I saw behind closed doors, big open world i mean anybody waiting for the next bethesda role-playing game it's coming just not from them and it's <laughs> you know on mean? game pass which and is it's on game pass disgusting oh, it's th- yeah this demo blew me away absolutely blew me away yeah it's um it's just gonna be this big bombastic i mean it's it they are doing fallout they even have their own version of VATS. <laughs> it's like there's a time dilation thing that's all explained in game because you were in stasis and yada, yada, yada. It's VATS, basically, uh, where you get to s- slow time to a crawl, target individual body parts. And if you shoot the leg, it cripples them. If you shoot the head, it blinds them, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, it's you, you, ready, you want more fallout in a more vibrant, uh, I think, better engine, sense more colorful humor. world. Yeah, sense of humor. Uh, you, you have perks, and in fact, they, they they showed things that are like perks, but you have to give yourself a character flaw in order to get them. So you, if you do things enough, it'll offer you this deal where it says, if you take a character flaw, like you're scared of the dark, or you are <laughs> afraid of this, or you you know you take a penalty to some stats, we'll give you this cool perk. So you can literally create a more specific character that actually has problems instead of just getting closer and closer to being a god like most rpgs allow you you actually give up certain things in order to specialize in other things that was pretty clever and and provides interesting decisions but you know i just it's doing all those bethesda things that i like where it's providing you all these various ways to attack a problem and uh, you know a thousand different solutions to a quest it's just a big open story-based role-playing game it looks great yeah that's outer world yeah um anthony did you see call of duty modern warfare i did um tell me about that because everybody i talked to that saw that i did not uh everybody that saw that came away going i don't know it was so (laughs) well here's here's i think here's part of the reason it was a very weird demo because typically the way the Call of Duty single player demos work is they put you in like a nice little theater with some comfy seats. There's like, hi, my name's Keith. I'm a producer. And the back is Joe. He was a level designer. He's going to play the mission. You right. play the mission. It does the in the interest of time skip forward. This was just like a video. So they turned the lights down and they like did like a video of them playing uh, a, a part of a mission or maybe a whole mission. And then it ended and it just said Call of Duty Modern Warfare and there was nobody in the room. <laughs> and so it was, like, it was like when you See show you up to class and they're like, you know, you wait 15 minutes and if the teacher doesn't show up, you can leave. Like we all just <laughs> sat there and we were like, so 
are they coming back or were we supposed to? <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think in some respects it is what fans are looking for in terms of it's a more intimate. It's not super bombastic all the time. The level they showed was a military unit basically going through a building looking for uh, a terrorist leader and you were going like room to room. There was sometimes civilians there. Sometimes there were civilians that you were like, Oh, this is a, this seems like a nice lady. I'm not going to shoot her. And then you turn, a, you turn away for a second. You look back and you're like, she's running to get a gun. So that's, you know, going to be a little controversial. Uh, you know, it's going to have its own, um, you know, uh, criticisms, but it, it seemed more in tune with like the modern warfare brand. I can't speak to the like larger picture, the like bigger missions. This was super small, super short. Um, but it kind of reminded me of the missions from like a modern warfare one and a modern warfare two. That's it was enough of like a tease, but yeah, it, it, it does have elements where people are going to be like, well, they're kind of being a little edgy here or they're doing this or doing that, or, or they're trying to um, heighten the idea of modern warfare is happens amongst the people that I don't know. I don't know if it's it's going to go over well. I was I was mostly satisfied with what I saw, but yeah, it was super weird to just like have it be a a video. Like usually they give the illusion of playing the yeah. game, not even not even a, a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, I guess the other big game that we haven't mentioned yet is Watch Dogs Legion, which I think for me might be my biggest surprise of the show because if you had asked me beforehand if I cared even a whit about the watchdogs franchise, I would have said no, but all of a sudden now I do. And now I'm interested and now I'm curious. I still think this game could potentially be really not fun, <laughs> but for the first time, I'm like, I kind of want to know more about this watchdogs game and I might want to play it. It looks like it could be really different and cool. Nobody else on that. Front I, know, I, didn't, I didn't get to play any Ubisoft stuff. Unfortunately, so that's a it's, big... it's watchdogs. It's still watchdogs. You're still entering an area, hacking, hacking yeah. the cameras, hacking the doors. Um, I, that be any NPC element is, is not core to like the moment to moment gameplay. It allows you basically what you can do is pick a person do a mission to recruit them and then you put them in a class so you can kind of make them more offensive. You can make them more of a hacker. And then I forget what the third one is. Uh, granny hacker, <laughs> granny, hacker. granny hacker. Um, but yeah, so, but, but playing it, it was like, okay, this is still watchdogs. It wasn't like blowing my mind in terms of how it played, but um, the, the NPC switching, is really going to like either make or break the game. If that, if that like has a lot more uh, impact on what you're doing and the story and stuff, but it was, I mean, they say permadeath, but you can, if you're, you know, wounded, you can just surrender. They said, you can just surrender, go to jail, have one of your other people get that person out. And it's like, well, I'm never going to enter permadeath then. I'm never going <laughs> to like, you have to choose the idea of like, it's not forced upon you. This idea that yeah. 
a character that you spent a lot of time leveling up and they have cool perks and abilities like they're never going to die unless you are a fool and choose to let them die. Or, you know, if you were, if you, I think liked Watch Dogs one was kind of a disappointment for me. Watch Dogs two was much better. I think if you were just waiting for them to make another one building off Watch Dogs two, I think that's what this is going to be, but I don't think it's going to blow anybody away. I don't think it's going to completely change. Uh, hmm. your impressions of the franchise, because it is, I did a lot of the same stuff. I unlocked door, you know, hit the bumper, unlock door, hit the bumper camera, hit the bumper distract. Yeah. Uh, Christian, you and I both got a chance to try um, the X cloud, the mm-hmm. stream that Microsoft is rolling out soon. That turns your Xbox one into a server and lets you, stream to a variety of devices and yeah, i don't know about that i mean i feel like that to me that's kind of i i think they're doing like the like i critiqued google and stadia their announcement i think microsoft is doing a poor job messaging x cloud because i feel like that's kind of what you can do on playstation already via remote play in some yeah. form or fashion which i feel like is <laughs> which you've kind of already been able to do on microsoft based tablets before um so i and that's not the x cloud i played Right. Like we were playing. I don't think we were playing somebody's Xbox plugged in in Seattle. I think it was the other version, like their stacks or whatever it is. Um, yeah, the, you're, you're connecting to their data centers. Um, but I think you yeah, you get whatever library you have on your Xbox, I think. I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think they haven't fully messaged it yet. Like, is it just your games? Can you buy games the way you can on Stadia? Um, I will say that taking them at their word that I was playing an instance of these games running in Seattle, I spent the most time with Gears 4 and Forza Horizon 4. Um, I was blown away. I I was it, it ran. I got first place in the Forza race I was doing. I killed things in Gears. Um, yeah, I played it, Halo 5 and um, it... it it's hard to express what it's like seeing a game that looks that good on a little phone screen. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of because you played a lot of games on your phone and then all of a sudden you're playing Halo 5 on your phone and it looks exactly like Halo 5, but on your phone. It's yeah. an extraordinary thing. Um, the text is way too small to be usable, but they were even mentioning that uh, there may be an option to actually like boost the text in certain games to you know because i was like looking at my looking at weapons and stuff on the ground i was like i can't read yeah. but that uh but uh yeah it's it's amazing the streaming future is happening and it, it, it was it would it worked it's amazing even in the crowded i, mean, I played environment who knows but yeah yeah i played one that was on wi-fi and like they just handed me the controller and i could walk around anywhere playing gears and the other one i think because they were trying like that convention floor was so flooded with wi-fi signals the other one when i played um Forza, it was plugged in like through a LAN adapter. Um, but I played it, you know, different versions both ways. And it is wild just to say, like, here's an Xbox controller, the way they had it set up with a clip on an yeah. Android phone. But it's like, here's a controller, go. And like, ev- I mean, everything was there. Like, I uh, went, went into Forza and I was like, I'm going to buy some cars. 
<laughs> I, you know, is it, I'm like, sorry, whoever's sorry, account, not buying cars. Like, whoever's fortune this is, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was wild. Like, yeah, it's the whole game. It's yeah, streaming and and, and you know that's the sense I got. I was like, this changes everything because now just sit in your bed with your controller and play the game. It's wherever you are, you can play whatever game you've got on your Xbox. That's kind of kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just wanted to talk about that briefly. And um, uh, what was the other one that I was going to bring up? Oh, there's a few games that were, you know, th- there were some really excellent indie games. Uh, the indie mega booth was in full effect. Um, I played some awesome games and one of the games that straight up is a game of the year or game of the year game of E3 candidate for me is spirit fairer. I was immediately charmed, fell in love with that game when I played it at, uh, at the Xbox area. Um, and I, I want to play more of it. I can't wait. It, lo- it looks like a cartoon. It, there's this building aspect where you get to build your boats and, and make buildings and uh, you hug things and it, it is delightful. And it looks like a game I'm going to absolutely adore. So it, it impressed me very much spirit fairer. Um, I don't think we're missing any other biggies. There's one that I want to talk about because uh, spoiler might it be my game of show. Um, and I don't think you, either of you necessarily agree, but I am so excited for the full game. Um, I played an hour of control and it was so fun. So fun. I was playing on PC on a RTX, you know, ray tracing enabled mm-hmm. build of the game. Just absolutely stunning. Control is the new remedy game. Uh, it takes place in a building that's like morphing around you, right? Yeah, I mean, you are the head of this FBI-like thing—a newly headed, uh, appointed head—and mysteries happening. And the bad guys are the Hiss, um, or seem to be recently named the Hiss. Um, and you're kind of trying to get your house back in order and and figure out and untangle this mystery of what went on. And you have a a gun that can kind of morph between like a traditional pistol or like a shotgun and a a larger skill tree for that. And you have telekinesis and or force like powers. Um, And again, I I played a full hour of this game and a lot of times, at least for me, I'll sit down for an E3 demo of a game and 10 minutes in, it's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. And they're like, you have more time. And I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. I got it. Like, I I know what I'm doing here. It flew by. Um, I was totally engrossed in the game i thought the combat loop of the force like picking up objects i taking like fire extinguishers throwing them at a group of people shooting it in the air having that explode and then taking like boxes and knocking people over changing my gun to the shotgun going in and taking out you know a group of them or whatever and then some environmental problem solving so i only did see an hour granted so who knows how how the whole game builds on that but from what I played, it was the best thing I played at E3. The thing I had the most fun with playing wow. um, at E3. And the, the plot seems like it's really interesting. You know, maybe it'll take a turn and not be, but the characters, you spent time talking to this janitor and he's kind of like, oh, you're the head, huh? You're, you're the head. Okay. Well, cool, I guess. Well, I could do an assistant, you know, mopping this place up. And she's like, what? What? You, huh? And it's like, it seems kind of like a um, Twin Peaks, like, 
are people in on the joke? What's happening? They're not taking it too seriously. Like this place is being attacked and morphing all around them. And they're kind of like another day at the old house or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but to me, it was really the combat mechanics and the loop of um, bringing pretty much anything towards you, small objects towards you, knocking it over. And the gunplay felt really good that I, I, I don't think August can get here soon enough. I'm super, I went into that E3 excited about the game and playing it for as long as I did. Um, it's easily on my most anticipated list for 2019. Anthony, That's did, awesome. did either of you get to play it? I did not know. I um, played it back at GDC and uh, couldn't have been less impressed by it, but I, I am super glad you came away positive And I hope that the game has progressed a lot since I saw it and that I will fall in love with it the way you did, because I, couldn't have been less interested in it honestly yeah. I, I for me it was just just a case of only so much time and and the game that close to coming coming out i'm definitely eager to play it uh my only concern and you you and i talked about this christian is that if you presented me a, a 50 minute slice of quantum break i might also come away feeling exactly the same way you felt about control Yes, so I'm, but, I'm worried about that. But I think you can say that about any game you play at oh, E3. Oh, sure, no doubt. Um, but it's the same company and the same kind of idea of like combining. Yes, but powers. that company also made uh, Alan Wake, and they also made Max Payne, and they made sure, some incredible sure. game. So um, while um, Quantum Break had some um, issues that I think were less gameplay and more, as you talked about the final boss battle, like you failed. Well, you hope you're ready to watch a half-hour TV show again. Sure. Well, yeah, it's true. Well, but Christian, you're you're only as good as your most recent game at this point. <laughs> so That's, come I August, mean, hopefully they're great again. <laughs> you know the way that the industry works and people going other places. It you know the name of the developer doesn't necessarily translate like it did before. Christian, did you also get a chance to play Journey to the Savage Planet? I did. I. Isn't that- wonderful it is wonderful i really like that game i'll let you sing its praises because i feel like you will do it a better job of it than i will because it's like right up your alley i feel like my only nit with the game is that it has like um top of the screen hud right and it like like there's like a yellow marker that's kind of your waypoint and it tells you like how far away that thing is from you i felt that it was more of a disservice than it was a service where I feel like it would lead me to a dead end and it wouldn't say like, yes, that's like as a crow flies, you could get there. It's 20 feet away from you, but it's not really. And I I understand it's a game about exploration, but I almost wish it didn't have anything that I either wish it either had like a mini map or a little more of a guided path or no guided path. And I feel like it's something that can be tweaked, but as is right now, I found it frustrating where two instances i pulled you know a developer over someone that was there showing the game i was like i don't it says i'm but i can't and like oh you got to go around like and it was like a big backtrack around um so i found that annoying but i hope it can be fixed but i i loved um so much about the game yeah it's delightful it, it genuinely funny really wonderful inventive tech that you get to find and unlock and earn cool level design, awesome powers, uh, love the aesthetic, this sort of vibrant, I mean, it looks like what I wanted No Man's Sky to be, although now No Man's Sky is becoming what I wanted it to be. Outer Wilds. We are. Uh, but uh, what, what did you say, Anthony? Play Outer Wilds. Play Outer Wilds. I, I'm going to. I'm going to. It's on Game Pass, so it, I, I own All it already. All of the games. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that game was great. And, and, you know, it's, I think it's about time for us to kind of settle on our game of E3. But before we do that, I do want to mention that there was VR at this, uh, at this show. Yeah. And there was some great stuff. They were showing Lone Echo 2, which is the sequel to my straight up game of the year that year. Uh, you know, no caveats, game of the year. I think Lone Echo is one of the best video game experiences I've ever had in my life. And so, Lone Echo 2 is very highly anticipated game for me. And they talked about Beat Saber 360, which is a new mode coming to Beat Saber for Quest, specifically because there's no wires, that, you know, Beat Saber is a game about stuff coming at you from one direction. It's now going to come at you all around you and add a sort of a dance, you know, mechanic to Beat Sabering. I could not be more excited about that. Uh, Stormland was shown, Insomniac's upcoming game for Rift. Uh, I mean, there there was a fair amount of VR stuff to be excited about as well. So I didn't want to not mention that there, stuff. There which... was also a, a brief power cycle outage, and I happened to be standing near the Oculus booth, and boy, was that funny. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's happening? Everybody was just standing completely still and was like, hello? But yeah, it, it, <laughs> both halls had like a power cycle, which is funny considering how it was not as busy, but yeah. So guys, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of games we haven't mentioned. Lots of games that, um, too many we, games. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, honestly, it, 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 it really is. But uh, was there though? Yes. Uh, I feel I like so. I've, I feel like you guys hit all the games we're talking about, save for like a handful, like Star Wars was a DA play and, you know, some games that are just not in your wheelhouse, like Dragon Ball Z. But I feel right. like you hit them, most of them. I, I will. I do think there's still, you know, too many games just in general, but, but I do. <laughs> I also feel like this year compared to other E3s I feel overwhelmed usually at E3 of like oh my there's just not enough time in the day to see everything and I feel like with this E3 no there's pretty much like everybody agrees that there's pretty much like six games up for E3 game of the year and I don't know it just doesn't feel as overwhelming as it usually is with the massive amount of games there's still too many games there's still so many things to play that it's incredible, but it not to the level it has been. I don't know. Okay. So here are what I think are the, my game of the year contenders, right? Cyberpunk, the outer worlds, Luigi's mansion three links, awakening doom eternal. Uh, for me, spirit fair is in that group. Uh, Jedi fallen order, um, Christian wants control to be in there. Anything else you'd add, Anthony? No, that seems Final like Fantasy uh, seven remake, maybe Avengers. Oh, for me, uh, Final Fantasy would yeah be the only thing. Final Fantasy seven. Would you say that is your E three? No, no, no. That, that's the that's what Final the only Fantasy. thing missing. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Watch Dogs is on some people's list. I wouldn't. Um, Borderlands three is on some people's list. I really wouldn't put those on mine. Um, yeah, it, it is not, it pains me to name cyberpunk 
two years in a row, but it really feels like a solid pick. Um, Christian, you said control is your game of show that I played. I think that if we all had played star Wars, I'm pretty sure we'd be sitting here with a consensus pick. No, not for me. If I was getting to participate, but well, you don't No, I'm just kidding. Of course you'd get to participate. <laughs> if, You're the voice. If of I'm, our okay. <laughs> if, if I'm the outside person based on Jeff saying he liked cyberpunk's RPG ness and Christian, based on what I know you saw, I, I think your, your best candidate is outer Worlds. Hmm. That's interesting. I would be fine with that. Because I think Outer Worlds hit similar notes to Cyberpunk, but Christian didn't see Cyberpunk, and Christian did see Outer Worlds. Uh, yeah. And, and Control was not your type of game. That's that's my bold prediction for what I think <laughs> should be your game of the show, what, based what, on what combining you, you. Your personal game of show. Anthony. My personal you- game of show, probably Doom. Doom? I mean, I can oh, go with Doom also. I could go with Man, Doom. I didn't I play be... a full thing because I do this thing where it's like I have time between appointments and people are nice to me. And I'm like, can I just I just want to play it for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it looks real good. It, it's it's super good. But yes, it is. I don't know. It's it just felt good. It doesn't feel like one of those years where it's like, yes, uh, that game has to be. I mean, I could probably get behind star wars i think a lot of people felt disappointed by that game but man i thought it looked fantastic um i could even i don't know i'm tempted to even put avengers on that list but um there's too many question marks i think uh no nintendo game i anything from nintendo i would say luigi's mansion Mm. i mean i think Link's awakening for me was the more but that frame right now I just don't believe it's going to stay that way. I know, but that's that's like you putting Avengers going. Well, that's the game right there. What I yeah. what they showed me, but we know that's not. Wow. All right, Christian. I mean, I think my game of show honestly is Cyberpunk, but not uh, my personal one. But I mean, I, I also I could support you on Cyberpunk, but yeah. I don't want to support you on Cyberpunk because I know that Christian does not want to give it to the game two years yeah. in a row. I don't want well, to give it to the game two years in a row either, but I would have taken it away from it last year. Fair enough. <laughs> my, my issue isn't giving it two years in a row. My question, I, I feel like that game hasn't answered uh, yeah. any questions if they can handle. It's kind of like uh, Modern Warfare, right? Like if you are going to tackle something that is, in my opinion, so heavy, you got to nail it. Yeah. And if they're trying to tackle like gang relations, race relations, um, body, gender, identity, association, and what you can see yourself as and how you realize yourself within a world. And they do it in a way that feels cheap, dirty, and sensitive to a large group of people or dismissive of others. I don't think it works to say, well, the world is cruel. So we get to do it. I, I think it's like if, you know, if it, you talked about modern warfare, if they have like a kid pull a gun out from their backpack and I need to kill it, that's not a thing for me to be like, whoa, deep. All right, call in the nukes. High five, high five, high five. Like you got to nail that tone. So my reservations for both of those games are similar where until I know more about it and know how those those situations play out, I can't fully get behind them. Outer yeah. Worlds, I can fully get behind right now. That game also comes out this year. Yeah. And from everything they showed and I watched 
um, someone live play it because either she's really good or she's also just honest, like missed some shots and yeah. fun things happened because of that. So it could have been scripted, but I got the impression it wasn't. It was like, it was the only demo where they said this. We just took a live build yeah. of the game and here it yeah. is. Yeah. A controversial no... opinion. I think last year's cyberpunk demo was better than this year's. Whoa, I'm shocked by that. I I did not. It was more exciting. It was less. Uh, I don't less know. The game less less downtime. Uh, was it less the game though? The game is going to be a lot of downtime, dude. It's going to be a lot of oh sure, but role playing game uh, wandering around. I don't know. You you do a lot of sword fighting in Witcher. <laughs> I, I just yeah, I think it was a better splash. It was a better excite exciting demo because it showed you a lot of like you walked a, around in that world and it was like, wow, this was more confined in uh, a tighter environment, showing you different ways to approach a kind of like a uh, combat scenario. That was a lot of the demo. Well, I know Hi, Ed gonna... in the chat says Spider-Man would solve this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go with Spider-Man, the safe choice. Uh, I think it's funny that you had those reservations with that, with, with tone in those games. Uh, and yet you're okay with it being doom eternal. <laughs> I know but, what you'll say to that. I know what you'll say to that. I just think it's still funny. Yeah, um, I, I understand that. Yes, but doom eternal is a is a cartoon, yeah. right? Yeah, it has no it has no yeah. There's it has no, no gray area. It's kind of like yeah. Wolfenstein too. Wolfenstein, there's no gray area in that game. And like I think yeah. Wolfenstein two did do interesting things with its plot, but Doom especially, it's like you're a person that kills demons. You Everything shoot yourself a out of a BFG, a giant <laughs> yeah. BFG. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am, I am down. I feel like the clear choice is the outer worlds. Anthony because, was right. You're welcome. As usual, Anthony was right. Um, the only reason I don't want to pick it is because Anthony said that. To me. I know. <laughs> I know. It, it hurts me too, but I think he was right. Um, y- you guys mentioned it already, but it bears repeating that. It, they said we're literally playing the game right now. We're just in yeah. a section of the game, and you heard on stage at the Star Wars demo when they, you know, when Greg was interviewing uh, the the developers, and they were like, "I just want to give a big shout out to the team. It's amazing that they managed to get this demo built in time for the show, and you know, they're also working on the full game. It's like, yeah, those are two different projects, yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's, it was surprising to hear them be that honest about it, but also. I don't think many people pick up on the fact that the demo for E3 is often its own thing and uh, not a part of the game. And it's refreshing when they bring the game. This is the full game. This is the game. This is how it's going to be when you play it. Um, So I I give extra brownie points for that. I also think in a year or last year, people getting bait and switched with Fallout 76, this game I know Obsidian will not say it at all, but it is literally the Fallout game you want. Like, oh yeah, from top to bottom, oh, yeah. they're Fallout. like, they're like, hey, we made a Fallout New Vegas game. People seem to like it. We don't yeah. have the rights to that property. We're gonna make our own game, and it we're just gonna make a straight Fallout game, and we're gonna bring on people yeah. from the Fallout franchise to help us make that. So Fair far, enough. it solves my problems with those games too, where it doesn't seem like it's like your son's dead. Go find its killer and play in this world. It seems like it's like inter- interspace politics. Go run amok. Y- yes, that's what I want to do is run amok. Yeah. All right. So DLCs, E3, game of the show. 
The Outer Worlds. Congratulations. I think well-deserved and uh, a game very excited to play. This year, this October, it comes out. Uh, Get Game Pass Ultimate. Play it as part of it. Yeah. Yeah. For a dollar. Dude. Crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I love that price point. (laughs) Uh, All right, guys. It's been a a blast uh, talking to you about E3 this year, and it's been a blast covering E3. Thank you to everybody who listened to our uh, extra bonus content, as we always do every year. Um, It has been so much fun. Anthony Taormina, thank you for being with us twice in just a couple of weeks. Thank you for having me. I was sad that you didn't go to as many press conferences, Jeff, because you're like my press conference buddy. I know. It was super lonely. I was just turning to the empty chair next to me making, you know, snide remarks. But that (laughs) that person that didn't exist was just kind of empty I'm sorry it's all right we all, we'll always have keanu we were there together in the it's room true uh, to there. be fair christian did go to a press conference and he hasn't in a while so it was like well yeah i mentioned to you guys that you know i got a i, I think it was because they knew keanu that without telling me i think they were like you should go to this one and i was like oh and they were like go to this one I, I i haven't asked the person who emailed me uh you know why but i feel like that it had to be that what a moment ah yeah it's fun. Keanu. Okay. Keanu gets it. Give DLC's game a show. Uh, Keanu. <laughs> Good year. Uh, Anthony, tell people where they can keep up with you and all of your various goings on online. So gamerant.com. I, uh, many of the games we talked about, I wrote up hands-on previews. Um, not all of them, but most of the ones that I really liked, including outer worlds and uh, call of duty and final fantasy. So if you want like some, more in-depth thoughts or maybe um, a little bit more of a breakdown of what, what we all saw. Um, I wrote that up. And then if you just want to, you know, follow my daily goings on, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Ant Tormina, A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Uh, a little personal vacay, actually. Um, so <laughs> nothing you can follow. <laughs> uh, but to see my general goings on, Twitter's easiest at Spicer, and then I stream this show, which uh, is typically Sundays at seven fifteen p.m. Pacific time at Twitch.tv/slash Christian Spicer. And you can follow me on the Twitters uh, at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. You can always email this show. If you have any questions or comments by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Uh, whatever's on your mind, please let us know. And I have other shows. I do a movie and TV review show called the slash film cast, which you can find at slash filmcast.com. We're going to be talking about men in black international this week. And I, all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should be. Yeah, oof. That's that's a movie. Uh, and um, the Dungeon Run, I'm DMing a live play Dungeons & Dragons show. It's getting tons of really wonderful positive feedback. I hope you, if you're listening, will check it out. It is something that I'm extremely proud of. I'm working very, very hard on putting my heart and soul into this thing. And it, I think it, it shows. I think the show is a beautiful thing, and I'm extraordinarily proud of it. We have an awesome cast. We have an animatronic mind flayer who hosts. It looks like a TV show. It's got high production value. It's available on YouTube and as an audio podcast. If you prefer just listening to it, I think it's a great way to listen to these long form D and D shows. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. It's called the dungeon run, or you can participate in the show live 
Wednesday nights, we actually, uh, the audience influences the show. So you can find it Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right. That's it for this episode of DLC. And it's time to watch that hype train, that E3 hype train, go into the tunnel for one more year. See it off, fellas. Thanks for uh, listening. We'll see you next week for a normal episode of the show. And watch that hype train fade into the distance. Chugga, 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 chugga.